you were born with purpose. And that purpose is big purpose. When you step into that purpose, you're going to start small, but there's gonna be a flow and an ease to your purpose in life because God fashioned you for that purpose. Trust me, it's gonna take every ounce of you to accomplish that and heavy, heavy doses of the Holy Ghost, hallelujah, to get it done. But I'm telling you, there is an ease, there's a joy in walking in your purpose, even at the start when it's small, but it's important that you find that purpose because when you do, there'll be great fulfillment for your life, but you have to understand it's not just a purpose that affects the here and the now, but it also affects the eternity. And it's not just your here and now and your eternity, but your purpose will affect the here and now and eternity of many, many, many other people. Hey, it's Kingdom Increase with Amanda Hall. I'm Amanda Hall, wife to Rodney, mom to Cecily, and pastor at Kingdom Increase Church in Jerseyville, Illinois. Well, I'm so glad you're back with me for another week. Hallelujah. And I want to step in today on uh, um, in straight in to purpose. Amen. This is something that is so important to me, so vital, something that the Lord planted in my heart from the get-go um, when he called me to ministry. Because to be honest, I was not raised um, in, in um, a church or any that I was ever taught and nor was this taught in my home in any way that I was created by God with specific purpose in mind. And so, you know, for me, when I, when God called me and I recognized where, uh, he had, what his purpose for my life, it changed my life because I'd actually come out of of a four or five year period where everything seemed to just not be flowing and, and not working out. And I couldn't, it, it didn't make sense to me because I was doing what I'd always wanted to be doing since I was a young girl, but it just wasn't working. And so there's this, um, I, I, there's this grit that attaches to you um, when you recognize that God designed you with a purpose. It does not matter the conditions or the circumstances of your birth. That does not change the fact that God knew when you would be born. He fashioned you with certain characteristics and abilities and gifts and faculties that would fit perfectly in his divine purpose. And, you know, I just hate to see so many Christians just really living life with no purpose. They just get up every day and, and they just go about life, but there's no real eternity um, attached to their life. Oh, I mean, they have a security in their salvation in Christ for them. That's not what I'm saying, but they have, there's nothing. There should be something. Every one of us has to get to a place where there is a, when we get up in the morning, there's, there is something that motivates us with each day purpose. And I believe that is one of the reasons why so many people, and in particular, I mean, it's, it's in the world as well, 
as in the church. I mean, and so many young people um, that suffer with anxiety and, um, you know, depression and things like that because they have no purpose. They, they don't understand that, that they were actually, and because, uh, you know, nowadays they, they try to tell you, you can be whatever you want to be. No, actually you can't. There are certain biological scientific things that, um, that you were born with, and that is going to construct the basis of, of, of your life when it comes down to that. I don't care what they say, and it doesn't matter how many band-aids they put on it and how many times they cut your body or do this or that. It is not going to change that. You can't, you can't change your genes, <laughs> right? And so, so then there's all of this, this, this quote, decision-making that, that young people are, are making that they should never have to make. They should be able to plant securely in who God created them to be and, and learn and find out. And then obviously, then a whole lot of that other is because then all of that you just see is just totally separated from God, totally against his word, totally against uh, the way God um the, the way God designed us to live and what he has for us and, and what is living a righteous life. And so people are messed up. But but even besides the world, I mean, so many uh, Christians deal with a lot of this stuff. I think they just have no purpose. They they don't understand that, that they, you know, aren't, um, their life has great purpose attached to it, but they never take the time to find that out, there should be something that burns in you that when you come up against an obstacle or you come um, into a storm in life, there is something, there's this anchor, right? There's this anchor on, that's the anchor of our soul. And Jesus Christ is that anchor, but it's attached to this purpose. We are redeemed for purpose. And so I, I, let's start with Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, one of my favorite scriptures, although I say that about several, but this really is one of my favorite scriptures. You need faith for your eternal purpose. And it's important. And, you know, I just, I don't know. Um, I guess I'm kind of a very driven individual, and I really have actually always been like that. And so at times, being a driven individual... Um, that can get off kelter and out of balance. It has to remain, it, when, when it comes to faith, faith rests because faith knows that what God has said, he is going to do. Faith understands that the Holy Spirit will direct your steps and God has given us the word so that we can follow that word, amen? And so faith learns to rest. So the, but the hard part for someone like me with a very driven personality is that sometimes I'll step out of rest and I'm trying to, trying to accomplish it in my own strength. And so uh, let me just heed a, a fair warning to anybody that happens to be like me when it comes to that. You will do yourself and those around you a great disservice if you do not know how to rest in faith. All right. One of the things that I've always loved that I learned years and years ago from Pastor Rodney Howard Brown was that he said, you know, he said around the ministry, there at Revival Ministries International in River at Tampa Bay um, Church, 
Everybody knows if it doesn't flow, we're not doing it because the Holy Spirit is like a river. Amen. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. And if it doesn't flow, if it has to be forced, it's not the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so, you know, what I want to talk about today is, is really going to put the ball in your court. And, and, and you're going to, you have to do something about this because whether or not people recognize this or not, yes, you were born with purpose. God has fashioned you specifically for his divine purpose. But just because that's the way you, that God fashioned you and God's plan for you does not mean you're going to walk in it. And whether or not you walk in it isn't up to God either. It's fully on you. It's not on your parents. It's not on your spouse. It's not on your teachers. It's not on anybody. You are the one that determines whether or not you're going to walk in God's purpose for your life. Amen. And obviously some people, it seems like they, they were dealt a rough go from the get go, right? They they grew up rough and didn't have, it would seem, um, but a lot of things in life to help them. But I'm telling you, when we turn our heart to Jesus and we learn to rely on the word of God and the spirit of God, he empowers us and equips us to walk out. See, that's the thing. Not only has God, <clears throat> excuse me, fashioned each one of us for this purpose, but he also equips us for that purpose. But again, it's really about us allowing and doing what needs to be done to be equipped. And that's the thing. Too many people want to rely um <coughs> excuse me, on what they will call the sovereignty of God. I fully believe God is fully sovereign. Uh, I mean, God, when he's, when he's going to do something, he's going to do it. But can I tell you in God's sovereignty and in God's love for you and God's love for me, there's a part of that that required him because of who he is to give us free will. And just because we get saved doesn't mean the free will is taken away. Every single one of us still gets to make choices and decisions in life. Let's think for one moment. I always think about when the Israelites were wanting a king so they could be like all the other nations around them. That was not God's purpose or design for him for them. He said, I'm their king. They shouldn't want one, but if that's what they want, I'll give it to them. But they're going to find out that ain't going to be all that. And they ain't going to like it. And so the first one he chooses is Saul. And so when we first meet Saul, you know, there's a good testimony um, about Saul, but it doesn't take too long before we see this position of king over Israel gets to Saul's head (laughs) right? And gets to his heart. And even though God appointed him to be king, it was pretty quick into that, that the spirit of the Lord left him for that, that job. He didn't have, did not have the support of the spirit of God to do that work because he made decisions that opposed what God had already specifically told him through the prophet Samuel. He said, you go wait for me when I get there, we'll make sacrifices and we'll see what God says. But Saul was impatient and he wanted to do it his own way. And so, right. And so when you see that versus when you see David, David gets anointed then at this point in time, God tells Samuel, now look, and Samuel loved Saul 
Um, he was the one that anointed him for it. And so it was hard for him when God said, no, I've removed my spirit from Saul and I, I'm going to send you um, to anoint somebody else. And it's not that he, once he met David, he didn't like David, but he had a real heart for Saul. And so, but he anoints David, but David didn't step into that position right away. And then even when he did, he didn't step into it fullness. He only stepped into it as, as king over Judah, because by this time the Israelites are separated um, into basically two companies, right? And, and in the meantime, he's, he encounters all kinds of stuff, but, but, but along the way, David makes right decisions that keeps him in God's destiny for his life. And so when we get in the word of God, we can read what, what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross, who we are in him and who he is in us, the purposes and plans that God has for us and what um, Jesus has bought and paid for for us. Like we can read all of that and it's there, but that doesn't mean we're actually going to walk in it because everything in life has to do with the decisions that we make. And so first and foremost, if you're going to walk in your eternal purpose, you're going to have, have to have faith for that purpose. And I say eternal purpose because we have to recognize that the purpose that we have has eternal value. No, God never had anybody be born or conceived for that matter, that, that the purpose for their life did not also have a, a, attachment to eternity. Now, many people never walk in that, so they never produce any fruit for eternity. Now, obviously, that's people that aren't even born again. They're, you know, they're not even going to make it to heaven. Um, but there are plenty that are born again that, have, that will have little to no fruit in eternity because they're too busy doing what lo might look like good works, but they aren't God's work for them, or they're too busy doing nothing. They're just so wrapped up in their own lives that they never take time. You have to understand when it comes to God's purpose on your life, yes, it, it's, it's God's purpose for your life, but it's really less about you and more about him and his kingdom, which means it's about other people. Amen. And so your, the purpose that God has for your life is really more about others and less about you. Now in it, you're going to encounter such great fulfillment. And like I said, it's going to flow. The fulfillment of God's purpose in your life is going to, there's going to be an ease and a flow. It doesn't mean you won't ever come up against obstacles. It doesn't mean that you won't come up uh, against storms or mountains that you're going to have to move. That's not what I'm saying, but there is an ease. There is a grace on you, right? There's a grace that God gives you the grace. And when you operate in the place that God wants you to be, there's a grace for you to accomplish that. So first here, Ephesians chapter two and verse 10 says, for we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined and planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Amen. So from this, we understand that when we are born again in Christ, that then we've been born again to do those good works, which God had planned beforehand for us. So he already has, David said, I mean, he had, Dave, David uh, said it in the Psalms, his days numbered out and had exactly what uh, David's days should be like. Did that mean that David would walk in them? No, just because God had it planned out did not mean 
that it was going to be predetermined to the point that you have no say in the matter. And that's where people get confused when it talks about um, predestination. All right. God has a plan for your life. He has purpose for your life. You and you alone are the one responsible for walking in um, that plan and purpose. But God already has good works planned beforehand for you to be doing. He already has a good life that's prearranged and made ready for you to live. You must figure out God's specific call on your life. Like I said, when I went to college, I went to college specifically for what I'd wanted to do since I was nine years old. And that was to be a doctor. And in particular, I wanted to be a pediatrician. But when I went to college, the things that were, had always been ease for me, all of a sudden became not ease. There, there was, there, it always, there was something, an angst that was, that I encountered at every step of the way. And it wasn't until I actually graduated from college that I, the Lord then, I stepped into a new dimension when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And when I did, then God called me into ministry and it all fell into place why there was such angst and uneasiness um, in what I was spending my time and my money on <laughs> going to college, right? And so, but then I knew what God's specific call was for my life. But then came the part, the next parts that I'm going to talk about. And those are determined, um, you know, by us, what we're going to do, do with them. Are we going to do what it takes to walk out? Like I said, there will be an ease. There's going to be a grace. Obviously God's gifted you and there'll be a grace to walk in the, in the God's divine purpose for your life. But it's going to take every ounce of you to get it accomplished. Amen. And so we have to be willing to do what it takes. But the first step, faith for your eternal purpose, the first step is you have to figure out God's specific purpose and call on your life. And this is so, so, so important because this is why I believe many Christians have little fulfillment in their life because um, they're in, they got their hands involved in too many things, right? There are plenty of good causes out there Plenty of good um, things that people could be doing as believers, but you have to find what God has for you because in that it will be, right? He's not only has good works, but that you should walk in them living the good life, which he prearranged. He has a good life for you, right? And so we need to be able to live in that good life and we should be able to enjoy that life and walking in our specific calling and honing in on that is going to be key. So number one, obviously, is to figure out God's specific calling in your life. And like I say, I've seen way too many Christians, they just, um, they just let life come and go as, as it chooses. They just let the day by day of life dictate and determine what they're going to do that day. They're not aiming for nothing. They have no goal in mind. Like if they were going to go kick that soccer ball there, they could kick it anywhere. 
um, because there's no goal in mind. They don't see that goal, right? They're not, there's no target. They can, they, they can shoot arrows, but the arrows aren't going to go anywhere because they're not aiming for any target. And that is totally wrong. That is not how God designed us to be. And this is why many Christians just kind of flail in life and, and never really accomplish anything. And I'm not talking about people in ministry. I'm talking about life in general. We have purpose, you know, whatever that purpose is, we've got to find it. And then we've got to give our all for it, because if that's what God created us to do, then one, that's where we're going to have fulfillment for our life. But we're also going to help others here and now and for eternity. Number two. We have to become a living sacrifice for God and for his purpose for our life. Hear that? Number one, you actually have to find out God's purpose, his specific call in your life. But number two, you actually have to become a living sacrifice for God and his purpose for your, for your life. And this is where really a lot of people, they stop at step number two. <laughs> they never get past knowing what their purpose is, they, they may figure that out. Some people haven't even taken the time to do that yet. Well, I just don't know. God hasn't told me. No, it means you haven't taken the time to find it out. And I'll cover that a little bit more as we move on here. But even many times when people have that, they never get to this place where they become a living sacrifice for God and his purpose for their life. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you in view of all the mercies of God to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your member, members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world and this age and fashioned after and adapted to its external and superficial customs, but be transformed and changed by the entire renewal of your mind so that you may prove for yourselves what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. So once you know what God's purpose is for your life, then you have to make a decision, right? He says, I plead with you. I, I beg of you in light of, in view of all of the mercies of God and everything he's done with, for us. Make a decisive dedication of your bodies. That means your gifts, your talent, your time, your finances, your ability, your family is you have made a decision to give all of that to God. You become a living sacrifice, not a dead one. You don't, you, it's not, it, it, you become living. It's in giving our lives, setting our, our life on the altar of God's purpose for our life. And yet, you, you know, sacrifice is going to die. But the reality with God is that we die to sin and it's, a, and it's power over us and we rise to newness in Christ, right? Um, but when we die to our own plan and our own purpose, then what we rise is to God's purpose for our life. And that is where life is really found, right? Living that purpose that he has for us. So it's in making up our minds that we're going to become a living uh, sacrifice for God and his purpose for our life. 
And we're going to renew our mind daily with his word and renew our mind daily with this purpose in mind, understanding again that it is eternal, that there is eternity attached to God's purpose for your life. And then he will continue to lead you in his perfect will for your life. But the key is you must hone in on what God specifically has for you. And you, you're not going to find that out from anybody else. You're going to find it out from God. I'm not saying that if you're listening to some, you know, man or woman of God, preach or teach the word of God, and all of a sudden the spirit of God quickens something on the inside of you, and that takes you on a journey with, with the spirit and the word of God, and God begins to point out to you. I'm not saying that won't happen because it will likely happen. <laughs> you know, it happens a lot. But that is something you have to decide to to give yourself to God, to do what he's called you to do, no matter what it is he's called you to do. Never in my wildest dreams did I think I was called to ministry. First of all, I grew up in, in, in a place where women didn't do ministry. All right. They taught kids Sunday school, took care of the nursery, cooked all the food for the, um, you know, uh, fellowship meals or whatever. And all that stuff's great. Don't get me wrong. That's, you know, and actually all that stuff is ministry, but, um, it's just ministry in a different level. But my, my, what I'm saying is I, I grew up in a place where women weren't called to be pastors, um, evangelists, uh, apostles, prophets, teachers. Okay. Other than teachers for Sunday school and kids and that kind of stuff. So never in my wildest dreams was ministry something. But when God called me to that, I felt that unction on the inside of me. But to be honest, along the way, it took me on, and I'm just going to be honest, and it's probably because I wasn't surrounded by people. I didn't understand this, and I wasn't surrounded by people that understood this either. I didn't put my whole heart into it because I didn't actually even know how. I didn't understand that I needed to really put blinders on and hone in on that. It's like I desired it, but I did not know what actions I needed to take to desire it, right? It's the same way if someone wants to be a doctor, like you, you have set things if you want to be a doctor that you have to do, like you got to go to college for four years, and then you're going to go to medical school for four years, and then you're going to do a residency for one to three to who knows how many years, and then maybe even a fellowship after that. And I mean, they got all kinds of the, right? Like there, there's a set pattern um, that, that you have to go through. If you want to be a teacher, you got to go and get your undergraduate degree um, in particular on what it is, whether you're doing elementary education, high school education, whatever. And then as you, you move along, if you want to do other things and you're going to have to get your master's degree and then other things might require you to get your PhD, right? Like there's things that, that you, that you're going to do. If you're going to own a business and you're going to run a business, there are things you're going to have to learn along the way. You're going to have to learn all the legal side of things and what you're required to do by the government to keep yourself safe. So nobody can sue you or do this or do that, you know, or, or, or whatever. And, and so, um, and all the steps, depending on what that business is that you're going to do. Right. And so if you go work for somebody else and say you become their executive assistant, you're going to have to learn all of the details of their business and the work that they do so that you can actually assist, <laughs> right? There are steps that we have to take. And so, um, you know, like I said, 
but you're going to have to give your all into whatever God has called you to do. Because trust me, whatever God's called you to do is going to be big. There will be an ease because you have the gifting and the grace to do it, but it's going to require every ounce of you. And that's why after you find out God's specific call and purpose for your life, the next step is actually making a decision that no one else can make for you, making a decision to give your gifts, your faculties, your intelligence, your time, your study, your energy, your strength, and everything as a living sacrifice for God and his purpose for your life. Okay, number three essential for faith for your eternal purpose is we have to remember that his plan for our lives, his plan for your life is abundance and for you to enjoy life. We, this is essential because it's going to be hard um, to keep your focus on what God has for your life when you come up against obstacles, when you come up against difficulties, when trouble comes your way, when a mountain needs to be removed, when a storm rises up, and especially not just when a storm rises up, but when it seems to last longer than what it should. You have to remember that God's plan for your life is abundance and his plan for your life is to enjoy life. It does not mean that everything in life will be enjoyable, but he expects you and plan for you, right? I said it back in Ephesians chapter two, verse 10, the good life. He has a good life for you. John 10, 10, the thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. And so whatever you find out from step one, what God's purpose for your life is, will lead you to abundance and enjoying life. Okay, this is, this is essential. If you do not believe that God has good plans for your life, if you do not believe that God has abundance for your life, if you do not believe that God wants you to enjoy life, then you're going to just settle for anything and everything that comes your way. You're just going to let life drag you around and shake you around like some rag doll. You're just going to let the enemy use you as a punching bag. You're going to get satisfied in a circumstance or situation that is so way below God's plan and purpose for your life and just think, well, this must be my lot in life. No, God's plan for your life is good. It's a good life to do good works that will not only affect the here and the now for you and for many others, but it will also affect eternity, not just for you, but for many others. God has abundance for you. He is provided in Christ everything that you need. Salvation contains everything that you need, which includes abundance. And God wants you to enjoy life. Like I said, it doesn't mean everything in life will be enjoyable. That you will come up against times in life that are sorrowful, or full of sorrow. But God wants you to enjoy life. And so you have to keep in mind, if you're going to hold faith and fight the good fight of faith, you will not settle for anything less than a life that is enjoyable and abundance. And when you find out what God's purpose, what God's call on your life is, then it will lead you to an abundance and enjoying life. And 
obviously the other you know key to that is when you make a decision then to give yourself as a living sacrifice when you do that that will also bring abundance and enjoying life amen jesus said if you if you lose your life then you're going to truly find it if you lose your life here and now for my life then you're going to really find life so it, it when you make a decision to become a living sacrifice for God and his purpose for your life, it may feel like to start that you're losing something. And, and you are, but you're really losing the old you so that you can take the ability to step in the new you who is actually Christ in you and you in him. Amen. And that's when you can step into a life of abundance and an enjoyable life. Amen. So, the fourth essential for having faith for God's eternal purpose on your life is you have to ask the Lord for his wisdom. You have to ask the Lord for his wisdom, right? This isn't something that we just determine, hey, I'm going to do this and, you know, whatever. And, or even, even that, if you, you, you find out what God has for you, but then you don't just get to go about it any old way you want to, right? God is a God of order and he has a way to go about life and he has a way for you to accomplish um, his purpose for your life. And it may not look like the way somebody else is accomplishing his purpose for their life. And so you have to be willing to seek him and ask him for the wisdom that you need so that you can do it the way he wants you to do it. James chapter 1 verses five through eight. If any of you is deficient in wisdom, let him ask of the giving God who gives to everyone liberally and ungrudgingly without reproaching or fault finding, and it will be given him. Only it must be in faith that he asks with no wavering, no hesitating, and no doubting. For the one who wavers, hesitates, and doubts is like the billowing surge out at sea that is blown hither and thither and tossed by the wind. For truly, let not such a person imagine that he will receive anything he asks from the Lord. For being as he is, a man of two minds, double-minded, hesitating, dubious, and irresolute, he is unstable and unreliable and uncertain about everything he thinks, feels, and decides. So we have to humble ourselves and ask the Lord for his wisdom. You know, wisdom is absolutely essential in accomplishing your eternal purpose. But when you ask, you can't be double-minded about it, right? You can't be double-minded about it. So when you get the first essential down of finding out your call, and then the second essential down it dedicating yourself as a living sacrifice to God and his call and purpose on your life, then that will help you be very specific and single-minded about asking God for wisdom because you're honing in the wisdom on that call. You're giving your all and all in, and then you're going to do what God tells you to do. That is the key. It's not asking God. And then when God tells you what to do, um, I don't really like that answer. So I'm going to just keep praying. This is what I heard from people for years. Well, I'm, I'm still just praying for God to get direction. How long have you been praying on that? No, I think that God actually already told you what to do. You just didn't like his answer, but let me give you a heads up. He ain't going to change his answer. 
<laughs> Come on now. <laughs> I don't like that one, God. You know, I, that's not that's not what it looks. I, that's not what I was thinking. Well, if you want God to direct your steps so you can be successful and prosperous and live an enjoyable life and an abundant life that's going to fulfill a life not just for here and now but for eternity, then you're going to have to ask God for His wisdom, and then you're going to have to not be double-minded about it. What He tells you to do, do. How He tells you to do it, do it. Don't add anything from it. Don't take anything away from it. Just follow his wisdom. Amen. The fifth essential, um, let's look at Philippians chapter four and verse six. And this is something I think I was hearing. I think it was Dr. Jerry Savelle ministering on something. And it, this struck me because I never had seen it. This is several, several years ago. I'd never seen it that way. But Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything, but in every circumstance and in everything, by prayer and petition, definite request with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God. In the Amplified Classic, it says petition, by prayer and petition. And a petition, if you think about it in the natural world, is actually a written request, right? You put out a petition for, you know, whatever. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> it's a written request. A petition is a written request. So write down your specific prayer petition for God's wisdom and direction. What it is you're seeking. Like when God gives you purpose, he gives you his eternal purpose. Like I said, the purpose and the call of God on your life is going to be very big, but you're going to have to figure out what the next step is you're going to take. Sometimes that step is actually pretty obvious. It's going to seem very small and insignificant, but it's actually essential for you to get off on the right foot, if you will, right? But then you're going to come up to circumstances and situations that you're going to need very specific direction and wisdom. Like I was talking and the last essential, you have to ask him for the wisdom and you need some very specific instruction and direction from the Lord. So write out your petition. It's a written request with your specific prayer petition for his wisdom and direction. What is it that you're asking for? Sign it and date it. Sign it and date it. And every time you take that specific petition before him in prayer, which should be frequently, right? Until you get the fulfillment of what you asked for. Remind him that you have believed that you received what you've asked for and that you're going to have it. This is key. Ask, write out, be very specific. God likes specifics. And that's why a lot of people feel like their prayers never get answered because they never pray anything specific. They just throw up random things, very generic, very large. So even though God may have actually answered some things that pertain to the circumstance or the situation that they, they asked him about, they would never know because they never got specific in their prayers and they missed it. Be specific. Be specific. Like for instance, and like I said, you may need to actually write this thing out, sign it and date it so that you know exactly when you ask God, believing when you asked him 
that you had received it and that you will be having it, right? And so, like for instance, this year, there were very specific things that I asked the Lord for. And so, I wrote them down in my prayer journal and I have dates on them, right? So, as God has answered, I could see all of the little victories that I've had along the way. Those are essential. If you're going to have faith to complete and fulfill your eternal purpose, you need to see victories. You need to see successes. And if you're not specific in what you're asking of God, then you're going to miss all of the little successes and all the little victories that actually in the long run, they pile up to this huge thing, but you've missed out on them. Therefore, you're not giving thanks to God because that was another essential in this Philippians floor pass. You've got to do it with thanksgiving. You've got to be reminded how good God's been and everything that he's done for you. And if he's done it before, he's going to do it again. Amen. Come on now. And so if you don't do this, then you miss out. And, and if you're, then you're not grateful. Then you get grumbling. You become grumbly instead of grateful and grumbling will never get you anywhere because grumbling to God, when you look at the Israelites meant unbelief and therefore they never entered rest right? Instead, they wandered in a wilderness for 40 years as they grumbled. You can't grumble and be grateful at the same time. So you're going to have to let go of the grumbling, but you'll learn to be grateful when you write down your specific request to God for direction, instruction, his wisdom, whatever it is you're needing, provision, all of those things. When you write it down, pray in faith and believing that you've received it so that you know you're going to have it. And then every time you take it before him and you better take it frequently if you're, you're wanting it, right? You just remind him that you believe you've already received it and you know it's in delivery to you and thank him for it. Amen. This is important. The sixth essential, Psalm 37, verse 4. Delight yourself also in the Lord. And he will give you the desires and secret petitions of your heart. Now that delighting yourself in the Lord, I looked that up years ago. And to delight yourself in the Lord actually means you basically put yourself in his hands and allow him to mold you and make you. It comes from a word that means to hew, as in you're going to carve out a certain shape out of maybe a piece of wood or stone or whatever. So it, it comes, that word means to hew. So when you delight yourself in the Lord, it means you are putting it. We're going back to the second essential where you become a living sacrifice. You put your life, your faculties, your gifts, your abilities, your talents in the hand of the Lord and allow him to mold you and chisel you, um, to do exactly what he wants. And when you do that, it says, then he will give you and he will give you the desires and secret petitions of your heart. And here's this. This is a two step process, I believe, because I believe that it's in our delighting when we put ourselves in in the hands of the Lord and say, Lord, I'm here. Do what you want to do with me. 
I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll say whatever you want me to say. I'll be who you want me to be, right? That we get these innermost desires and dreams. And I believe because that's what God does. He's the one that actually puts those desires and dreams in us. And then he's the one that fulfills them (laughs) as we give ourselves as living sacrifices and continue to delight ourselves in him. Your innermost desires and the things you're actually good at, the things you have a desire for, the things you're passionate about, the things, you know, that stir you up, these are actually tied to your life's purpose on this earth and will have eternal fruit attached to them if you follow the Lord. God put them there for his purpose in your life. So remember that. God puts things. He'll give you. It says, and he will give you the desires and secret petitions of your heart. So he'll give you the desires and then he's going to fulfill them. He, he made you remember he fashioned you specifically for his eternal purpose on your life. And so when we're born again in Christ and when we put our hands in or put our life in the hands of God and say, you do with me what you want to do. I'm yours. If there's something that you can do with me, then do it. I'm yours. Then you're going to see a magnification of these desires. You're going to have dreams and there's going to be things that you're passionate about. Those are highly tied to God's purpose for your life. Don't disregard them. Because they're essential in fulfilling what God has for your life. Don't try to be who you're not. Because God put things on the inside of you and desires and dreams. Because they are attached to his purpose for your life. And the seventh essential, let's look at Psalm 119 and verse 105. Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You can never become disconnected to the word of God. It must be your necessary food. It must become your daily bread. And in particular, it must become the place where you go looking for specific direction and instruction for for God. You must purposely get into the word of God for direction because his written word will tell you what step to take next, right? Because his word is a lamp. That's going to show you the next step to take. Lamp, lamp highlights, lights up a smaller area. It's going to show you the next step to take. And then it's going to show you where you're headed and a light to your path. So the lamp's going to give you those immediate steps in front of you. The light's going to light up the direction you're headed. It's going to show the path you're to take. You have to purposely get into the word of God for his direction because his word will show you what step to take next and show you where you're headed. The path of he- the path ahead of you will show you the direction you're headed and where you're going and keep you on that specific path. It will also show you the obstacles that are going to, that are coming up, right? You can see in the, in the distance when you stay in the word of God, I'm telling you what people, they, they disregard this. Well, I'm just waiting from a word from the Lord. Well, have you actually purposely gotten into the written word? 
Because no, it, it's true that this written word won't give you specifics for your life in the sense like the written word of God, the Bible, the Holy Bible did not tell me to marry Rodney or, you know, or, or what didn't tell us to, to, to plant this church and this place. It, it didn't tell us all of that and to do this. But as I get in the word of God and read the word of God, I can find scriptures that hone in, give me very specific direction to follow so that when the spirit lights on something, then the spirit will unfold that scripture in direct relation to my specific decisions. And this is where people miss it. Because all they do is just pray and ask, but they never actually get into the word about it. I've been just reading the word because, you know, I, I have, have daily reading of the word where I'm just reading the word. And I may be reading about who knows what, you know what I mean? The names of the tribes of Israel and all the sons and who begot that and who begot this. And all of a sudden the spirit will drop something into my spirit, right? Deep calls unto, unto deep. The spirit of God drops something in my spirit while I'm reading the word. It has nothing to do with what I'm reading, but he drops something that will direct me to someplace else in the word of God that will give me specific direction. And then he unfolds that to know to me to tell me exactly what to do next. I'm telling you, this is the way that God works. Hallelujah. It's important for you to know that God will never leave you in the dark about your specific purpose in life. And this is why I can't understand how someone has been in the Lord for 20 years and do not know what their purpose is. Because that tells me the reason they do not know what their purpose is is because they never actually sought for it. They've never actually gone to the Lord and to find it out because God will not leave you in the dark about your specific purpose in life because it's important to him, to his kingdom and to other people for all eternity that you do your purpose. That's why he ain't going to he, he ain't going to keep you in the dark about it. But Proverbs 25 and verse 2 tells us that it's to the glory of God to conceal a thing, but it's the glory of kings to search it out. You and I are kings and priests unto our God. Our responsibility is to search out God's purpose for our life. God isn't going to do that for you. You're going to have to search it out. And the reason he hides those things, it says his companionship, his sweet fellowship and companionship are for those who really search it out. He hides precious things. It's like you would hide any precious jewel. You would hide it so the thief doesn't come and steal it. He hides these precious things in himself, in his word for you and I to search out and only those that are willing to take the time and the effort to search it out are going to be the ones that are going to find it and walk in it. It's not because it's not there. It's because you can't do it without him. And if you won't even take the energy and the time and the effort to search out what his purpose in your life is, then you'll never take the energy that it's going to take to actually fulfill that purpose on your life. When you get real serious about searching out God's specific plan and purpose for your life by devouring the word of God night and day, then he will clearly reveal it to you. 
And one last scripture. I love this. This is one of my faves too. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. This book of the law or this book of instruction shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night that you may observe and do according to all that is written in it. For then you shall make your way prosperous and then you shall deal wisely and have good success. Once you are clear on God's purpose for your life, then you are positioned to better help others. Because when you're clear on your purpose, you won't be drawn aside to other causes and other, other things to do in life. You won't be drawn aside to that. You won't be distracted because trust me, this I know about the enemy. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And so for a strong, mature believer who is solid in their relationship with the Lord, who loves Jesus, who's living that out daily, is not living any kind of life of sin. Um, the, the enemy can't trip them up with sin, all right? He's not going to be able to destroy them by sin. They're solid in that relationship. But what he can do is he can distract you. He can get you so busy on things that are not God's purpose for your life that then you're producing very little eternal fruit because you're so busy doing things that he does not, that God has not called you to do. And that's exactly what the enemy will do. So he destroys your destiny, not by getting you into sin or, or, or you know, getting you off of that path, but distracting you by things. But once you're clear on God's purpose for your life, then you are positioned to better help others because you realize you can't help everyone and everyone's cause is not your problem or your responsibility. Because it's when you're doing what the Lord has created you to do that you're actually positioned to help those he wants you to help. Let me say that again. When you're doing what the Lord has created you to do, then you are positioned to help those he wants you to help. And in that place, you're actually accomplishing God works, not good works, but God works and God's God works endure the test of fire and great reward is yours. I don't want you to waste time doing things that are going to be burned up in the fire. They may look good and it may be something that God's called other people to do, but it isn't what he's called you to do. It's, it's time that you get very specific on these seven essentials that I shared today so that you can walk in faith for your eternal purpose. Get very, very specific with God so that you're not wasting your time. And when you do that, and you follow his instruction and you meditate on his word and you meditate on his specific word to you too, right? What he's called you to do, his purpose and calling on your life. When you do that and then you're careful to direct your steps by his word and as the spirit leads you, then you will make your way prosperous and you shall deal wisely and have good success. And that's what God has come to give you an abundant life that you can enjoy that is to the full till it overflows. And remember, because it's actually less about you <laughs> and more about others.
God loves you and He's concerned about you. But the more mature you get in, in your walk with the Lord, you realize, man, this life that is a living sacrifice is so fulfilling. All you want to really do is help other people because you realize it is truly more blessed to give than it is to receive. I'm telling you what, man, what a life. Hallelujah. What a life. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for every person that listens uh, to this podcast, that if they don't know their purpose for life and what you've what you have for them to do, that they would get really serious in searching out your purpose for their life. And as they do, that they'll be willing to employ these essentials to walk that out. And so they can hold faith to accomplish what you call them to do. And Father, for the others that already know what your purpose for their life is, but maybe they've grown weary in it because they weren't seeing what they thought they should see. Father, I pray that you would strengthen them in their inner being with supernatural strength from the Holy Spirit. May they get back up in that saddle again and be willing to go again, to search it out and look for your wisdom, ask for your wisdom, search out your word till they find specific direction for their life and Holy Spirit speak to them very clearly so they know what the next step is. In Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord, that every person that listens to this, you have an eternal purpose attached to their life and that it will produce uh, fruitfulness and fulfillment for them here and now and great reward also in the future, but it will also cause many others to come into your kingdom for eternity. And I give you glory for it, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you again for joining me. Um, I'll see y'all on Wednesday.